0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the first episodes of season five of the Advil Marcy Unplugged Show. I'm your host with the most, as always, Advil Marcy, and today I have a very special friend to uh, actually go ahead and do the show today, and that's my buddy Brad Goss. Now, Brad and I go back a really long time. Like, I'm talking when I was 19, so like well over a decade ago, and he's kind of responsible for me raising my rates initially, because I don't know if you remember this, Brad, but. Uh, We were at, I don't know whose event it was, but it was down in London near Trafalgar Square. And uh, I literally walked up to you and I was such a huge fan. I was like completely like awestruck around you. And we were having this little conversation and I was with my fiance at the time. And uh, I think what you said to me was, oh, so if you're running into the problem where people are paying you a couple of thousand bucks and you're getting filled up with like client work, raise your rates. At the time, that was like mind blown. What do you want about raise my rates? Can I really do this? <laughs> Something like five grand as well at the time that you told me raise it to, and I was like, all right, cool. I did that, and fucking everything took off, and now I'm charging like way more money <laughs> to write copy. But that being said, Brad is an OG of the uh, of the online world, and just a really good dude. So, dude, thank you for being here and taking the time to do the show today.
1: Wow, that was quite the intro. I love it when I give really basic advice and people are like, that was the most impactful thing when you told me to put gas in my car. I was like, man, it blew my mind. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, like, when <laughs> raise your raise your prices, boom.
0: <laughs> I think it's one of those things, like, as a kid, because I was living in Leicester at the time, and for me, like, $5,000 from a client was like an insane, like, that was the equivalent of like 50 grand for me at the time. <laughs> I was like, right. oh my God, that's a lot of money. I'm like, now it's like, shit, five grand. I can probably do that. I, I won't even write a sales letter for five grand. It's like, no. Um, but yeah, dude, so you've been working uh, on Vectortoons, who is today's sponsor, by the way. So just real quick shout out to our sponsor, Vectortoons.com. Go there, check it out for all your cartoon bundles, commercial clip art, and everything. Really. It's, it's fucking amazing. I love everything that Brad puts out there. Um but yeah, you're now working almost exclusively just on Vector Tunes now, right? Yep. How long's it been? Like about five years now? Seven years. Shit.
1: Start,
0: yeah. Damn. So how did you actually come up with the idea for Vector Tunes? Because that's that's always something I've always wanted to ask you because previously, it's really strange. I, I cannot recall what you used to do. I just remember you moving to Vector Tunes.
1: Um. Well, I did. Uh, I started out. You know, 20 years ago in the adult entertainment space. And then I, you know, moved into mainstream for a while and I did software and info products for a few years. You know, I did some, I had some software on ClickBank and domain buying, like domain search type software. And, um, you know, I, I did like these drip fed blogs for people. And, I, you know, and then I, um, uh, I did some, I did some, some Flippa sales. Like I sold some websites on Flippa. Like I, you know, build build and launch a website and then sell it to a to an investor at a multiple and that for a while and and then while I was while I was doing that I was using a lot of cartoons in my marketing and I wrote a book in 2012 and I was I was using a lot of cartoons for my for my book and well, I, you know I was writing it in 2011 and so I'd hired a full-time cartoonist in 2011 and before that, prior to that, I was using clip art in a lot of my sales letters, and I was I was hiring cartoonists to create content for my sales copy. And, you know, I had a very sort of comic book, newspaper style uh, of sales letter that was unique to me, and and so I had these I had these cartoonists making these these one off pieces. You know, hey, I need you to draw a picture of this, and you and and before I knew it, I had you know, a giant folder full of these vector cartoons and I had no, you know, I'd only used once and I had really no secondary use for, and I thought, well, what if I just, I had a full-time assistant at the time. She wasn't always busy. So I was always kind of looking for things to fill her day. And I was like, Oh, what if I got her to write titles and descriptions for these and catalog them and sold them as, as clip art, you know, if I use them once, maybe lots of other people could use them once. And, um, you know, I just, it was just kind of like a background project. Like here, just build this catalog. When, in your spare time when you're not doing other stuff for me and she would work on it in the background. And I don't know, we probably had ended up with about 500 to a thousand pieces in there that we had just created for our own use. Yeah. And they started to sell like automatically through Google. And it was just like, we weren't buying any traffic. We weren't doing any promotions. I wasn't mailing it. I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything. It was just organically building. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, it, it's it's been seven years, and it's still it's still an uphill battle. It's still a climb. You know, I'm building my catalog now. I'm um, close to three million images in my catalog. But you know, it 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 just started out with I had these images that I had used once, and then they started to sell. So, you know, like any good entrepreneur, I saw blood in the water, and I you know
0: went for it. <laughs> went for it. Uh, see, I remember one of the things that you did for promotion for this when you were starting to get out there for it. I think it was like 2012 or 2013. Yeah, it was 2012, because I mean, hair was really long at the time. Um, I actually, you gave out, I think it was like 250 spots that you'd actually create 250 cartoon characters for, one for each person that applied. I think I used your vector tune for absolutely ages as my avatar, like my little cartoon self. I was like, okay. Now. I was like, the hair doesn't suit anymore. I've got to change it out. It's like, damn it. <laughs> It was so cool. But one of the ideas that I really love about the way that your brain works is anyone that spends any time with you, you're immediately really chill about everything that you do. And I didn't get to see your talk in London because, again, I wasn't there at the time. But one of the things that I got uh, told later on by, one of, um, by Katrina and by Beth was that you started talking about success habits in particular. And, like, just very quickly, like, what's what are some of your success habits that you have in the morning? And what are some of the habits that you have that actually bring you back into flow when you're actually out of flow? Like, when you actually, like, ah, I don't want to work today. What is it that gets you back into that? If you, um,
1: yeah, I uh, for me, it's, I mean, I wish I had, I, you know, it's funny you said before we started recording that you had endorphin, you were on high, an endorphin high, and I made a joke about exercising. And, you know, I wish I could be like, oh, you know, I, like, I wish my answer was, oh, I get up every morning and I go for a run and I swim, you know, and I have a giant breakfast like Michael Phelps. And then I, you know, I wish I could tell you that. Like, I, like I, sometimes I, I, I kind of imagine myself as that person. But the reality is, you know, I, I, I get up in the morning, uh, usually about 6.45, 6.30 to 6.45. That's when my girlfriend's alarm goes off for her to go to work. So, uh, her alarm goes off. She goes into the shower to get ready for her day. And I go downstairs and I make her a smoothie and I make, I make a pot of coffee and I have a coffee with her before she goes to work. And then I, you know, if, if her kids are here, I, I, I hang out with them. If they're not here, I hang out with just her and I send them off at, you know, they, I think they, I think she usually leaves here about seven thirty, And that's when I start my day. I, I'm, I'm here by myself all day. And I, I mean, there's no habit to this, but it's just like you know. I get up, I have my coffee, and I, and I, and I I get to my desk, and I start to attack whatever needs to be attacked. And and my I wish I could say I was a productive person. I'm not. So my success habits are. <laughs> so I'm telling you all this, and then I'm going to tell you my success habits. Which well, to
0: be fair, like uh, just to like interject there, like it doesn't mean that you have to be this high achiever. Yeah, I'm always on it. It's kind of like the, the most successful people that I love are like are the people that really don't work as hard as they need to. They're just like, no, I just do the thing I want to do and I'm done. That's pretty much it. That is my habit is I get the work they need done, done.
1: Yeah. And that and that's definitely me. And there are times when I'm in, I'm in the thick of it. Like I, I do code sometimes. So when I'm coding and I'm building something new, you know, that will eat up a good chunk of my time. And then I have a lot of time where I'm completely down and I do nothing, you know, I'll do like, like, you know, the, the bare minimum that needs to be done, and you know that like I order a lot of stuff on the internet, so like if a package is coming, I pretty much just take the day off and wait for the package to come. <laughs> like you know, it's like, oh, like 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 it's it's like it's like one of those things where it's like you 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 know I I, I work smart um, and and try not to work hard, so uh, you know I try to build software to do my job for me, and then just let the software do it. And, you know, I like to build systems and processes and, but so, so what I talked about with success habits was it's not as much like a habit, like a daily routine habit as it is, okay, when I'm working hard and I'm in the thick of it, which a lot of people are, are usually doing when they're trying to build something new and I catch myself and we all do this where we're like, we're working. And then all of a sudden I open a new tab and it's Facebook and then I'm like, and then I'm like, uh, I don't need to be here. And then I close it and then I open a new tab and it's Facebook. And I'm like, why or did YouTube. I do that? Well, YouTube. Just like yeah, ev- everybody has their time suck, right? Like YouTube isn't a huge time suck for me. I, I tend to use YouTube as like a background thing or like watch it on TV when I'm cooking or something. Like I'm pretty good with YouTube, but Facebook is is my time suck. And I used to be able to justify, oh, I work. I, you know, it's it's part, it's part of my business. But really it's, it's not. Yeah. Um, and, and so if I catch myself doing that kind of stuff, like I – I'm not a fan of time management. I'm a fan of energy management. So like if I'm, if I'm spending a lot of time on my computer and then I catch myself doing repetitive things because I'm bored, it's because my energy level drained. So what I'll do is like, I have a coffee shop that's like five blocks from my house. So I'll just get in, you know, if if the weather's good, I'll just get, you know, my shoes on, take a walk, go get a coffee or a cookie or something from there and and then, and eat it and, and come back. And I find that, that Like, I don't do this with any structure. I just, I just do it based on my energy levels. So if I catch myself doing anything, you know, if I, if I'm doing any of that non-productive shit and I'm like, okay, stop it. You know, you're being, you're being ridiculous. I'll step away from the computer, do some kind of, you know, take the dog for a walk, have a snack, you know, do take a shower, do something that's not work related, even like play, you know, my PlayStation or something and and like, you know, try and do something that's, that's, that's going to. So renew my energy right. when I, when I come back yeah. and usually works. Like I've had situations where I've, I've been banging my head against the wall with a problem and, and, you know, thinking that I need to just grind it out and figure it out and not leave my desk until I do. And then finally just break down and go for a walk to the coffee shop and halfway there, the solution just pops into my head and I'm like, why didn't I do this earlier?
0: You know what? what's really crazy about that is the amount of times we all, well, I'd say I do that too, but like, um, the amount of times that we do it because then the next time another problem comes up what do we do we sit by a computer and be like i'm going to solve this rather than i can just go for a walk and it'll come to me then again
1: yeah and it usually does you know and, and so some people have habits like knitting or you know they'll do something completely non-related to work like they'll have some kind of thing that they play with or like a fidget thing or a rubik's <laughs> cube or for me it's just get away take a walk have something I, I like to eat in those times like i'm a you know i like to snack So, you know, I'll have something hopefully healthy, but not always. I mean, Halloween just happened. So there's a lot of Halloween candy in my house right now. Someone's got to eat it. Um, So, you know, so to me that the that was kind of the number one success habit. And then the number two that I that I talked about was managing my hunger. So so there's energy and then there's hunger. Right. And I'm not talking about actual hunger as much as like financial hunger. So I, I have a tendency to get lazy when I have too much cash. Okay, And it's just a bad habit. It's like, oh, you know, I made a bunch of money this month and I don't, you know, technically I I don't have to work for six months before I have to worry, you know, about, about my cash reserves or whatever. And then I just get lazy and I'm like, I don't have to work, you know, and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to order a package. I'm going to sit around, wait for it all day. And so I catch myself doing that shit. And then I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm too comfortable. And so when I'm in that mode, just like managing your energy, you got to manage your cash levels. If I have too much money in the bank uh, or, or used to be, you know, PayPal or whatever I will. uh, And this this works for the business and for the personal accounts. uh, I will liquidate it. And, you know, so like if I have, you know, like just say for the sake of conversation, your, your monthly expenses are 10 grand a month. Right. Mm -hmm. And you have a hundred grand in the bank and you know, you don't need to worry about paying your rent or any other ongoing monthly expenses for six to 10 months because you got all this money in the bank. What I'll do is I will take 80% of that money and put it into an investment that I can't liquidate easily, right? So I'll buy stocks or I'll buy you know, gold or silver or I'll buy some other, some other vehicle where it's, it's still storing the wealth, but it's now in a place where it's a little bit illiquid and harder to move so now I'm now it's, you know, I, the pain of 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 trying to deal with getting rid of that asset is is more than just making the more money that I need to make. So it kind of it puts me into, into a state of hunger where now I look at my bank account and I'm like, oh, I've only got a couple of months of money in here. I need to get working. And so it's it's, it's just, a you know, it's like a shift of your cash into into, you know, you, like for some people, they like to buy real estate. I don't like to buy real estate. I'm not I just can't. I can't. So, I, you know, I, I do stocks and bonds, I do gold and silver and platinum, like precious metal invest, investing, um, Crypto, as well, sometimes, uh, sometimes crypto. Yeah, I, I'm not as much anymore. I, I used to I was in it way early, but like, you know, it, it's it's for me, it's the thing that that wherever it goes, it goes to a place where, I, you know, I can get it again. Right. If like something comes up and I need the money, I can sell the stocks or I can sell the metals or I can, you know, if I had to. But it's easier to make the money, so I'll always I'll always take the easier road, make more money, go run a couple webinars, write some emails, you know, do do the work. Yeah.
0: Oh, definitely, I totally get that. I mean, one of the things I really, really admire about what you just said that is, we all get lazy in different areas. Like I know for me, if I have, um, if I have and not even too much money, but if I have more money than I mentally am okay with. I will start doing shit like spending it, taking time off work, all this, that, the other. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> I have to catch myself. And the thing that you said about waiting for a package, I'm very similar, except for, for me, it's phone calls. So if I have a podcast book, like I, we have ours today, like we're doing this a bit at like an hour early than we um, originally booked it. And I'm thankful that we are because like my brain was going, okay, you have a podcast at two. And all I did before that, I was like, I've got a copy to write, but my brain is like, eh, let's just go ahead and wait till two o'clock. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> get it done now. <laughs> and it's just such a fun little thing that, you do, that we do as people. It's just like our way of coping with uh, what there is. And it's really interesting that you actually, the way that you spend your money is that you invest it because a lot of people, if they have too much money, they go out and just like spend it on really stupid shit.
1: Oh, I do that too.
0: Oh, i no, do like, that no too. you do yeah. that, I mean, like, not as much like you put some money aside into investments but i mean like
1: you know what i've spend... never i've never driven a lamborghini i've never i've never been one of those guys where it's like oh oh i just made you know 500 grand i'm gonna go buy a lambo like i'm just not that that's not i you know i drive a nice car but not i definitely don't drive anything exotic and and you know i like i like nice cars but i don't want to i just don't I'd rather put that money into something that can pay me for the rest of my life than something that's gonna depreciate the minute I drive it off the lot.
0: Exactly, I mean, that's a smart way of looking at it. Like, I've never, like, um, I get it with some people where they're like, oh yeah, I make all this money and I live frugally or I live the way they do. Like, my whole thing is, um, the apartment I live in, I mean, you've been here and stuff, like, my apartment, I actually love where I live. Like, it's perfect for me, you know. You're in a great area. Yeah, it's a great place this is the most expensive apartment I've ever lived in uh, up till now. And what's crazy about it is I'm more into investing in jujitsu stuff, like buying jujitsu stuff or like looking at a bigger place. If I want to move somewhere or like little tiny entertainment things, like I'll buy a new PlayStation game. Like you got Marvel Spider-Man and I kind of want to partially hope that that's because I influenced you too. I was like, yes. Yeah. Um, you told me to, so. I was like, all right, it's such a good, <laughs> it's such a fucking good game. But like, um, just stuff like that those little treats they work for me or like i'm getting an Inva- i'm getting Invato's bundle soon for like 200 bucks for the year i'm like that right there is an investment for me to use and play around with so yay um what i was getting at was like i've never had that design very similar to you i've never had that desire to like i've made half a million okay let's go blow it on on one thing it's like no <laughs> Let, let's go do other things that we can have little experiences and enjoy it with yeah. Um, and if you're one of those people that, like, you made half a million, you went ahead and bought a Lamborghini or an Audi R8 or whatever it was, and you love the hell out of that car and you just enjoy it because that's your thing, power to you.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm not, yeah, I'm not knocking the guys who drive Lambos. In fact, uh, you know, I'd be happy to take a ride. But, you know, it's just not, me personally, it's just not, like, I think there was a time when I was younger where I probably would have, but it's just not, for me, it's like, I, I think differently now, especially because I've been through, you know, uh, like I've been an entrepreneur for quite a long time a long, Yeah, like 21, 21 years, full-time entrepreneur. And in that time, I've been rich, I've been poor, and everywhere in between. <laughs> and, you know, so, I, so uh, because I've been through the ups and downs, like early on when I started to make a lot of money, I blew it like a Good drunken stand yeah, the you know, it came I just, came out. because I didn't know any better, right? And then I had some hard times, and I was like, "Man, I, I didn't prepare for this." Yeah, because so it's... now you know, I'm, I'm definitely more equipped to handle the ups and downs because I because I I had to get humbled along the way and make mistakes.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of the whole thing where it's like when you're going through it, you I don't know if you have this thought process, but I used to have this thought process, and it's like, "Oh, I made this money. This money will always come in." Yeah. Like, no, it won't. Like You will go through the seasons. You gotta be yeah. very, very prepared for the seasons. Now that brings me to this question I wanna ask you more or less is because um, you've got like such a vast experience and you've been on the high end, on the low end, in between, you've done it all. In that sense of those experiences, what advice would you give to someone today that is going through those experiences? They're like, okay, uh, I'm preparing to be an entrepreneur or I'm going through a down period in my business. What advice would you give them to either keep them going or to prepare them for that fall?
1: Um, I think it's, for me, it's, it's, uh, understanding that you need to live below your means and it's easy to say, and it's hard to do, especially, especially when you're, if you're at that down point where, Hey, yeah, Brad, I get it. I should have done that, but I'm now I'm, you know, my expenses outweigh my income. Um, then that, that's going to require pivots and shifts, and it's going to require you to get out of your comfort zone. It's going to require you to do stuff that you wouldn't have done when you were making a ton of money. And you know, I mean, coaching was something that I didn't do in the beginning because I just couldn't be bothered. And and when I was making lots and lots of money, it was easy for me to say no to people because, you know, I didn't want to teach them to compete with me. Yeah. And then you know, when 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 I moved out of adult entertainment from making you know millions of dollars and, and moved into uh, you know the mainstream space. One of the things I started doing because I, because I had I had a significant downfall. Like I was you know, yeah. I was I was riding Google number one for for one of the top terms in the space, and then you know lost it. Um, my you know I had this two thousand square foot office. I had a staff. I had you know I, I was in over my head. There's no other way to say it. And uh, you know. And I and I was honest about it with people. I didn't I didn't lie. You know I said, hey, I was number one for porn on Google. I know how to do this, but I also lost the position because I bought links and I made some mistakes and I didn't I said done. And you know, and then I offered coaching as like something that I could do to make extra money, and, and people lined up to take it. And it was something that I that I that I ha- that I did out of necessity, but then I realized I liked doing it, so that's why I still do it now. But it was, it was at the time me changing my business model. Okay. Maybe people are, are, are willing to pay for me to help them. And they were, and I was able to do it um, because, because I had been through the fire that they wanted to go through, right. And it didn't matter that I had come out on the other end of it scarred. In fact, I think that made it more real.
0: Yeah, cuz like no one uh, no one goes through the flame and comes out the other side like still looking good. If you did, you didn't go through the flames. You basically right. went through a little bit of oh, I just kind of like walked around it. No, 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 no. If you've been through the ringer, you know for a fact when you see it on the other person's face you're like that motherfucker has gone through what I need to go through and they've crossed that bridge. So let's instead of me falling into the fire pits, Brad's going to give me like a little walk around here.
1: Yeah. And so I started talking on stages about my experience in that industry, and and that's what got me sort of a, you know, it, it put me in a in a position of pseudo authority in the mainstream internet marketing space, so that I was able to charge you know decent fees for my coaching and 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 actually be able to help people because the more you charge them, the more you help them. It's a weird thing where like when you get people to come in, pay two hundred dollars for a coaching session, that they, they there's no there's no reason for them to even listen to you or take action but if they pay you 2000 or 20000 for coaching they're much more likely to to, pro- to do the work just to prove you wrong
0: oh yeah entirely it's one of those things where it's kind of the whole thing that they used to say you don't want to have cheap clients the reason you don't want to have cheap clients is they cause the biggest headaches yep like i've had that with um, like just speaking right now like one of the pieces i'm writing for the client i have is fucking amazing i love it to pieces like, I sent her the quote and everything with a percentage deal and everything. It took her three minutes to make the decision and send me the money. And I was like, that's the type of clients that I like because she's low she's low stress. Like, I'm, I think I'm like two days late on delivery and I sent her a message saying, hey, listen, the only reason I'm late is because this came up. I don't like how it looks and I'm redoing it so I can send it over to you. Her response was, oh, awesome. I'm so glad. Thank you for letting me know and just went on it whereas other clients are so like hey dude I'm going to be like five minutes late I'm running behind on this call I just need the bathroom or whatever and they're like no you said you'll be done by five I'm like whoa you did not pay me enough to actually give me this much attitude
1: We're those like, clients get those clients get fired I just give them their money back yeah you know I, I've had that happen where I've had a coaching client that you know that, that paid me and then and then was like phoning me three times a day, and I'm like, wait a second, you didn't pay for 24 hour access to me. You paid for you know structured coaching calls with me. And some people, what happens is the minute they part with their money, they um, they get into this like I want my teddy bear moment with you, where like they they need your attention immediately, or or they're gonna lose their shit. And those people tend to be really hard to deal with. So I just give them their money back and say, listen, we're not gonna be a good fit.
0: Uh, by the way just a quick side note are you like can you hear that weird sound on your end because if, if you are I'm like trying to mute myself over here so it doesn't like affect the recording
1: I can hear it yeah Ah, oh, fuck!
0: it's not me <laughs> farting by the way it's someone like they're drilling in the building and it just sounds uh, okay. like I'm taking a huge fart halfway through I mean don't get me wrong I would totally do that but I'd be quiet and admit oh, actually I'd admit it if it was me <laughs> I think everyone <laughs> on my show would actually be like no that's Adil he would totally do that <laughs> But yeah, it's fun. But no, like what you're saying is completely true. It's like those clients can be a pain in the ass uh, to deal with. And it's something anyone that's listening there's like, Oh, I've got a client like that. What do I do? It's like start charging more. Like there's a method that a friend of mine once told me years and years ago called the leapfrog method, which is, okay, you got paid $1,000 to do this thing. And they succeeded. Now the next client you bring in, increase your rate. And keep increasing it until the point where, and this is where you actually gave me the advice was, increase it to the point that people can't pay you, um, or they they're like, wow, that's a lot of money to pay him for this work or we'll pay her for this work, and then you can pick and choose who you want to work with because only the the best type of clients that you have will show up.
1: Yeah, I'd rather have less clients and more money than be super busy and you know because the the other thing is is that if you're you know, if you're doing any kind of creative work like a copywriter or doing coaching or anything like that, you can't be working every hour of the day. And if you are, then you're not serving your clients effectively because they need you to have the downtime so that you can be creative for them. And if you're, if you're doing like your coach and you're in call after call after call, you're probably following a script at that point and you're not serving your clients.
0: Yeah. Like you're not being personal to them because that's one of the things that I realized with like, uh, whenever I do copy coaching for clients, like, when they hire me to consult on their office and go, hey, how would I do this? It takes a lot out of me. So I try and only do maybe two or three of those a day um, at a push, like preferably it's like one a day just because I know at the end of it, I'm like, all right, cool. I spent an hour with you. I'm going to go sleep or play some games now because <laughs> right. that's the way that my brain works. Um, but one of the things I wanted to jump off on that point was uh, this idea of what's happening now like the the market trend because um again you've been around for ages so you've seen different markets change and how they work what are you seeing is like the trend
1: that's being set right now where what in in what capacity
0: let's just say in let's put it in three capacities we have the online general business like every internet marketing Uh, so the online marketing space the internet marketing space that we came from and the coaching space
1: Um, I think the, the internet marketing people all seem to be moving towards, um, e-commerce, you know, drop shipping and, and e-com stores and, um, you know, building out those, those types of businesses. And I think, um, I think there's a lot of diminishing returns there. I think people are, are chasing, uh, I see that this is a trend that just happens over and over again, but people are chasing what they think is hot right now for, for the longest time it was chasing info products. Yep. And, you know, then they realized that, okay, there were, you know, YouTube was, was, was marginalizing info products to a place where all the information is, is available for free. And there's really not a lot that, you know, the minute you start selling your product, someone can steal it and spread the information and, and, it, it it loses value quickly and then people started moving into SaaS model you know oh, i'm going to build software as a service business and 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 that quickly died off because not many people could actually sustain anything they were like oh i'm just going to make this simple trick tool that leverages you know an api and this other thing and yeah. connects two apis together and but that that value gets diminished quickly too and and so now everybody's chasing the e thing and that's going to be diminished as well. I mean, I, you know, I, I hate to be the guy who's like, everything you go, you do is going to fail. But if that's what you're chasing and you're like, oh, e-com, that's the hot word right now. I'm, I'm going to build an e-commerce business and drop shipping. Yeah, that sounds hot. You know what? If you're selling crap from China and you're drop shipping from China and people are waiting six weeks for a piece of shit phone case to come in, that business model will... I mean, don't get me wrong. There's always somebody who can come along and say, no, look at me, Brad. I'm looking. Eight million dollars a year selling cheap Chinese shit through AliExpress or whatever. There's always somebody that will that will prove me wrong.
0: Of course there is. There's always but the outlier to that. But there is a point yeah of diminishing returns. I mean, it's yeah. the whole thing with like I don't know if you you definitely do remember this. Like two years ago, the big word that came into the marketing industry was funnels. Like, hey yeah. guys, I'm gonna show you how to create your own funnel. And it's like, oh, you fucking morons, just shut up. Just right, the, you know, you're yeah. essentially chasing uh, a drug high. The way I, the way I call that is like you're chasing the dragon's tail,
1: because like I've been cons- building the same business for the last seven years, yeah, and it's not it's not something that um you know I, that that is sexy. It's not glamorous. It's you know, and and it and it's it's definitely been the most expensive, the most difficult business I've built because it's taken me seven years, and I'm still not at a place where I'm like. Oh, this is this is you know my this is my exit from this is my retirement plan or whatever it, it is my retirement plan but it's not there yet and you know the 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 idea that you know you can just keep chasing shiny objects I did that for a long time and and you know I I chased huge loopholes you know I and 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 I still do to some degree because my brain works that way you know like I got into Bitcoin really early I got into um, you know, a, a lot of things along the way, like, you know, I built a company in, in, uh, 2005 called P2P ads. And, and we were the only company that was monetizing the file sharing trend. And we were able to, we were, we were basically delivering like quick time videos that would pop up browser windows when you opened them and we were selling the traffic and we were getting, you know, millions of pop-ups a day and we were selling them to, to the highest bidder. And it was, you know, we had an ad agency and i, I remember, I'll never forget. We, we went to ad tech in San Francisco and the guy that we hired to be our CEO, his phone didn't stop ringing. It was VCs begging us to go out for dinner. And we didn't. And we like the company was making so much cash that we were like, we don't want we don't need your money. And they and the more we told them we didn't need their money, the more they begged us to have dinner with them. And it was like, like VCs chased us all around San Francisco that weekend when we were, we were at a conference and, you know, we, we were killing it. And then one day LimeWire shut down and they were like oh you know we we've changed our business model and we you know they shut down their the they basically they took control of their network and shut shut us down we were we were technically just spammers um you know but we were making a ton of money and then it was gone you know and then I was at the top of google and I was making a ton of money and then it was gone and then you know so I so I I learned the hard way that the more you chase this stuff it's like you can get the highs but then you're also going to get the lows whereas if you build something that's like real and sustainable and yours and proprietary it's way harder to do it's really easy to say oh i'm going to sell t-shirts i'm going to go find somebody else's design and i'm just going to change the color and i'm going to steal that that idea and then i'm going to create t-shirts that's law of diminishing returns oh i'm going to sell the same crap everyone else is selling that's a law of diminishing returns you're up against ebay amazon etsy you know all these big players are selling the same chinese shit you're selling how are you going to what's your point of differentiation what's good what makes you stand out what makes you better than everybody else and if you don't have that you don't have a business, you you're you're literally chasing trends.
0: Oh, entirely. It's kinda of the whole thing like I always tell people, um, I love the fact that some people are now saying info products are dead I'm like, no they're not. <laughs> don't be a fucking idiot. Like that like some stuff, fair enough. They don't it works and it doesn't yield as high of a profit as it used to. But if you're consistent with it, yeah, it still works. I mean, look at Dan Candy's newsletter, like GKIC Inner Circle. That's been running since the 80s. He's been consistent to that, and he still makes multiple millions off
1: that letter. But that's his, and that's proprietary. Most exactly. people who get into info products, they outsource the writing. They get it; It's all done through online research and bullshit, and, and they're not actually creating anything that's unique to them.
0: Yeah, it's basically I'm in this. I'm going to try and find a way to make money, but I'm not really into it. It's like a really fat person trying to write a health product, basically is what it is.
1: Right. And and you, you can't chase you know, the, the the thing is is that you're you're really just if you're in those spaces and you're not creating anything special, then you're just a reseller chasing commission. Yeah. And you might think you're building a business, you might think you have a quote unquote e com store or whatever, but you're selling the same shit everybody else is selling. So they're you know, it's gonna dwindle down. It really is. Like, so few
0: people actually even look at that stuff and go, oh, this is what's happening. It, it's, a, it's a pain in the ass, and, you know, it is what it is. Now, one of my questions I did want to ask you particularly, because I have this really weird feeling that you're also a movie buff. Are you?
1: Um, a little bit. Not not really. Like, I like movies, but not. I wouldn't call myself a movie buff.
0: Yeah. But, like, you do like movies. Cause I, yeah. I've actually spoken to someone before, and they're like, yeah, no, I don't watch movies or TV or anything. I'm like okay, do you read books? They're like, no, not unless they're <laughs> business. I'm like, okay, you must be hooped at parties that aren't business-related. <laughs> so my curiosity to you is, uh, have you seen, uh, well, it isn't out in, in Canada yet, but are you going to go see Bohemian Rhapsody? Um, maybe. I will, okay, do you like Queen is my only question really here, is like even on a yeah. level. Okay, yes. then go watch it. <laughs> okay. If I recommended Spider-Man, then I recommend Queen wholeheartedly, like, Bohemian Rhapsody wholeheartedly, because, uh, I'm not a very emotional person, I'm learning how to become more emotional as time goes on, and yes, the irony is not lost on me that my job actually requires me to get into someone else's headspace and write something emotional to get other people to, like, take an action. (laughs) It's not lost on me that I I have a hard time with getting emotional and stuff, um... But Bohemian Rhapsody, I watched that. It was funny. It was the highs, the lows. It was an emotional roller coaster. I almost cried twice watching the movie.
1: Wow, you just wrote the review.
0: Yeah, that thing is amazing. If uh, Rami Malek does not get an Oscar nod for this movie, I am calling bullshit. Because his portrayal was so good, I forgot that it was an actor playing Freddie Mercury. I genuinely thought that was just Freddie. Wow. Yeah, it, it's an insane movie. Um... But one of my favorite questions to really ask on the show is, and I'm glad you you do like movies, is this question I have about um, if there were three books that you could recommend, and I say three books, but there is a caveat here, it's like two nonfiction books, and the third thing could either be a fictional book or a movie that you'd recommend to everyone listening to go watch that'll help their mindset impact, whatever it is, just something you want to share. What would those be?
1: Um... I don't read fic- fiction books um, mainly because I'm dyslexic and I really can't read it's audiobooks only and I just can't do fiction audiobooks. So, uh, I'll, I'll give you a movie. My favorite movie of all time is Death to Smoochie. Ooh. Um will actually even talk about that movie. It's 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 pretty dark and weird and it's Robin Williams and Ed Norton and Danny DeVito and and it's Brilliant! It's like I think it's one of the best movies ever made. Um, that's kind of my my oddball pick for a movie, and then like one of my favorite movies. Like mm-hmm. I like I literally cry every time I watch it. Is Forrest Gump? I know that's like you know Aww. a I lot of people really say sw-
0: that. A,
1: lo- a lot of people say that, but you know I, I, I don't know. I, I love it at the end when when his when his girlfriend marries him and gives him AIDS. I think that's great. Um, <laughs> so. I I think, uh, and then and then if I'm to pick two books, well, they um, have audio books as
0: well. They don't have to be.
1: Yeah, 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 the, yeah. They're all, all most books are available on audio. Um, I'm just looking at my Audible here because I mean it, th- this changes from for me from time to time. But like anything, Malcolm Gladwell, I will read, and I love Malcolm Gladwell. He's like one of my favorite authors. Um, so like you know um what the dog saw the tipping point outliers like any of those are really good yeah. um yeah blink is really good um and then like i i know a lot of people don't like grant cardone but i like grant cardone um you know i know he rubs a lot of, a lot of people the wrong way like so many people don't you know they dislike him and the reason why i like him is because he um he, he convinces me to think in larger multiples than I normally do. And I know it's just so simple, right? It's like, Oh, he talks about the, Oh, it's the 10 X rule. But then like, you know, you get that, but then you, you listen to the audio book and he's talking you through it and he talks about, you know, where's your multipliers and, you know, you're probably doing something right now that five years from now you wished you were doing differently. And what is it? And, you know, he challenges me to think, in larger numbers. And it's how I really, it's how I came up with the idea to go from 30,000 images in my catalog a year ago, or a year, you know, just over a year ago to 3 million images in my catalog today. It, it, it's, it's because he challenged me to think bigger. So, you know, I, I don't care about all the other stuff that people say he's a bad guy and he's a jerk and he's misogynist and all that stuff. I don't, none of that bothers me because it's, it's, that's not what I'm getting from him. What I'm getting from him is is the challenge to think bigger and I like that part of Grant Cardone. So so I like his books, his audio books. And then I also like, um, uh, let's see here. Uh, just going through my list. Um, Pitch Anything is probably one of the greatest books I've ever read on sales by Oren Claff.
0: Brilliant book. His this
1: uh, is brilliant too. Yeah, he's he's really got it figured out. And then I also like Neil Strauss, yeah. um, The Truth and the Game. Great. I know I know everybody talks about the game, but you know it's like it it is it it's not a to me it wasn't a book on dating it was a book on human psychology and and I love that. Um, and then there's there's um there's a guy that I, I'll tell you I know I'm answering this with too many answers oh, but dude, go for it. there's there's a guy who um, I follow and, I, and I, I'm just in the process of getting his book. Uh, it, or he's, he's actually got th- – uh, how many books does he have? He's got three books, I think. Um, his name is Robert Sapolsky. Mm-hmm. And he is a um, uh, professor of uh, – he's a neuroendocrinologist. Oh, wow. And he's a professor of neurology and neuroscience at uh, Stanford at Stanford University. Okay. And um, he wrote a book called "Behave," and he wrote another book called "Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers." <laughs> and um, zebras—the zebras book is from '94. Behave is from last year. And what's great about him is is all of his lectures are available like his entire you can basically attend his class on youtube and see every one of his lectures that he does in his in his in his course and he he's one of the you know i'm fascinated by the brain like i actually called my company your brain media 20 plus years ago when i started it i need i just needed a name for the affiliate checks but it was like it came up with the name your brain because i've always been fascinated by how my brain works and how i can the more I understand it, the more I can, you know, like like the little hacks, like like hacking my bank accounts and that kind of stuff. I know that's how my brain works, so I have to I have to force it into a place where it's desperate, as opposed to like, you know, like I have to understand it. And so the more I understand it, the more I can hack it. That's the way I look at it. And so this guy, he talks about, you know, the deci- how how your brain makes decisions and it goes how far it goes back to like. The fight or flight response and, you know, how much nutrition your mother had in the womb and how, what you had to eat that day. And, you know, he talks about things like, like, you know, if if uh, they, they looked at parole hearings and the, the judges that 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 ruled on parole and they and they found that people who had the exact same criteria had different outcomes based on how long it was after the judge's lunch. Yeah, I think. Right. Something so
0: like um, if it was like almost immediately, it was a lenient. Was it lenient? The
1: yeah, yeah, like- yeah. If the judge had a full belly, he was much more likely to rule to give you parole or probation than if he was hungry. So if it was like right before lunch, he was a jerk. And then right after lunch, he was nice. And then right before the end of the day, he was a jerk. So if you, you know, if, if you're ever up in front of a judge, you want to be there right after lunch. You know, and, and so, you know, he talks about all this kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, you know, understanding that, like, you know, there are i i used to have a business partner years ago who i couldn't talk to that person without i couldn't bring up any new ideas without them having just eaten if they were hungry and i brought up a new idea it would get shot down in a second and if i if i took them out for dinner and fed them and then like we'd be sitting there having a drink and then i'd say hey so it's this new idea they'd be like oh my god that's yeah let's do it that's great you know like and I, and I, you know, you, you learn how to manage people better, the more you understand how the brain works. And so, and, and it's not manipulation. It's just understanding that your brain is not equipped to make good decisions when it's hungry, or it's not equipped to make good decisions when it's scared. Or, you know, and there's all these things I, or if I scare you like that, you know, um, Oren Klaff talks about the, the the croc brain, the amygdala a lot in pitch. Anything and he talks about how he, he creates confusion in the in the amygdala, so that rather than rather than putting the 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 person he's pitching into a place where they where they're bored or they feel like I know what's coming next, they create doubt and questions and make them and make them uh, pull more out of you. And you know, there's there's all this research and science behind the brain, and the more you understand how it works, the better you'll be at writing copy, the better you'll be at selling, the better you'll be at persuasion, the better you'll be at influence, you know, all that kind of stuff.
0: Oh, entirely. It's like one of the things I tell people constantly is I read a lot of books and not even because I was like, oh, I read a lot of books. It's like, no, I read specific books to look at the psychology, like um, like you dyslexic, but not as bad. Uh, so I can read like fictional books. Uh, one of my favorite books to read is The Crucifix Killer. Why? Because when I looked through the story of it, I was like, this book has me hooked and it takes me ages to finish an actual physical book. Um, I devoured it in a day and a half. And I was like, why did I devour this book so quickly? And look, went back and looked at the psychology behind why they had me hooked in and what triggers this author was actually hitting on. Like suspense was there. There was um, payoff. There was, you know, misdirection, subversion. There's all these different elements. And again, it's not manipulation. And this is really where I want to kind of get to this. There's three rules uh, for me. There's three sides of, the, of a coin, really. There's manipulation, which is the dark side. That you're a sith lord you're essentially like using it for your own benefit then there's influence you're basically a holier-than-thou jedi who's like i shall never do anything and everything must benefit everyone and usually that comes at the stake of you becoming a martyr um you usually end up losing a lot of money for yourself uh and a lot of influence and so on and so forth but there's a third version which is what i like to call uh, it's mace windu it's it's persuasion persuasion is basically borrowing parts of the light and parts of the dark combining it together to benefit everyone else in a large amount of people but also benefit you in the short term and the more you learn about psychology uh, and you can learn this from anywhere really like watch movies video games read books you'll find biopsychology everywhere
1: and, and the more you understand as you said the better you can serve people yep yeah. absolutely
0: it's, it's a brilliant
1: thought. and and yourself right like to me it's it's more about serving myself like yeah. how do i understand how my brain works and what triggers it and what forces me to take action and you know that's really where where uh i find all that stuff helpful is is just understanding my own habits and my own you know because we're all just monkeys like we don't we don't understand that but like we, we think we're better than they are but we're not we just we're monkeys with thumbs and we you know we 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 figured out some stuff that they didn't figure out and we've evolved a little bit more than they have but we still we're still you know highly triggered highly um driven by you know basic you know, so basic basic needs you know the need the, you know the 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 hierarchy of needs you know we're we're driven by that and it's still today the you know the the driving force and we think we're sophisticated beings but we're not
0: no we're really not like everyone that keeps going about oh i'm so high level like, yeah again the same thing like how do you emotionally respond to things is actually it is very telling of um how how your mindset is and what your mind is i mean don't get me wrong never ever 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 for anyone listening to this go through the thing where you try and suppress emotion because um i did that for many years and it sucks it's much better to feel everything um even if it sucks for a little bit it will always come out better for you so i guess one of my favorite questions really to ask on the show and we kind of alluded to this a little bit early in the show and that was um when you were going through like a bit of a a down period where you know you were knocked on your ass and stuff what was it that like started to bring you back up like what was the steps that kind of go okay i'm down on my i'm down on my ass or you meet someone and they're down on their ass what advice
1: would you give them like okay start building up um, I think it's a hard place. To, it's it's a hard place to give advice because I don't think that I think everybody has a different set of steps, right? I don't think there's like an an IKEA manual for uh, recovering from from a, a downturn in your in your business. But I think the 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 best advice I, I I could give is be willing to do what you haven't done before, and be willing to make changes, and you know. Sometimes we get stuck in this place where it's like, well, this has always worked for me. And if I keep doing this, I'm, I'm sure if I keep grinding it out eventually, it'll, it'll work again. That's especially in this Internet economy where everything's changing all the time. That's not going to serve you. So there, there is a point where you have to say, OK, you know, I, I always used to say no to this type of this type of deal or this type of, 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 you know, arrangement. And now I need to be willing to do it. You know, I never used to sell this type of product but now I need to be willing to do it. I never spoke on stages, but now I'm, now I'm willing to do it. I never coached people. Now I'm willing to do it. I never got on the phone with clients. Now I'm willing to do it. You know, and, 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 you know, I think there's a, you need to be willing to, to change your standards when, when times are tough. And sometimes, especially for people who have done really well financially, and then they're going through a hard time, it's easy to keep that sort of snobbery mentality of like, Oh, I don't do that. I don't need, I can't, you know, I don't have to do that. And, you know, I mean, I used to say stupid things about myself when I made a lot of money that if I said them now, they would, you know, you know, I would, I would be sick to my stomach, you know, like Brad Goss doesn't take public transportation and, you know, or, or, you know, I would, you know, I would say things like that where where it's just like, what kind of an asshole are you? You know, or camping for me is a hotel without room service. You know, actually I still say that, but um, you know, it's, it, it's like, I, th- I think you have to be willing to do things differently when times are tough. And, and sometimes that means a complete shutdown and rebuild of everything you do in your, in your life and your business. And sometimes, um, sometimes, okay, here's one. <laughs> sometimes the people in your life, are the actual thing that's holding you back and it's not their fault they're not doing it purposefully they're not intelligently saying oh i'm gonna hold this guy back i don't want him to be successful but it's 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 the social contracts that you have with these people that are that are slowing you down and so it could be you know you have a social contract with your spouse to watch the real housewives of whatever and you know three nights a week you're watching reality TV when you really should be at your desk doing something that you know you should be doing. you need to have that conversation with that person and say and don't, you know don't tell them, hey you're holding me back. say, hey, this activity is not serving me well right now and you know I would like to change our arrangement of watching this show. And either it's, hey, maybe I'll bring my laptop up and sit on the couch with you while you're watching it, but I'll do some work on my business, or I need to go to the office because I need the quiet, whatever that is, you need to have that conversation with that person and change the social contract you have with them. And it could be, you know, you go out drinking with your friends every other night and, you know, that's like slowing you down and, and, or or not serving you well anymore. And the problem is, is that if you stop doing that without having the conversation with those people, they're going to, they're going to see that as like a, a negative thing. They're going to see that as, oh, he's too cool for us, or he doesn't want to hang out with us anymore. So you need to have those conversations with the people that are that are holding you back. And and when I like again, when I say they're holding you back, I, I mean it sincerely. They're not doing it on purpose, and and it's and it's you holding you back too because you're engaging those habits. But you can't just break the habits without having conversations with the people you love because they won't know, and then they'll get mad at you, and they'll and they'll see it as a they'll see it as a as, as like a negative move towards them. So you have to you have to change those relationships, and then you also have to change the relationship you have with yourself. Like I said, you know the things you say about yourself to yourself, to others, and on social media will actually be how you define yourself. So those things sometimes have to change too. Like sometimes, you know, you have to go on a social media diet. Like I, you know, I went on a I used to be on Facebook all the time, and then I and then I kind of went on this diet where I pulled back from it for a while because. Um, I was going through some personal shit. And and at the same time, like I had just been, um, I just, I just went through this, this thing where like all of India was after me because I, I, I shut down some site that was stealing my copyrights. And this happens to me a lot where I shut down, I get, I get Facebook pages or YouTube accounts shut down and then people get their little mafias after me. And so this, in this case, it was like a quarter million people in India were like all descending and reporting all my photos, Facebook. I had a call with Facebook security. They were like, you know, ready to shut down my account, but they realized that it was like that, that I was clearly up against something. And you know, they, that after that, and I, when I kind of realized maybe I'm spending too much time on social media, these people, you know, they shouldn't have this much effect on me. And so I, so I, I took, a, I took a diet and I, and I pulled back and it definitely helps you to make change because now you're not, you're kind of doing it in this quiet little bubble that nobody else is watching. Um, so you know, social media diet change the relationships you have with people, and then change the conversations you have with people. You know, it's easy to have, um, you know, a a parent or a sibling or a spouse that um, brings anxiety into your world, where like you tell them that you're doing something, and then they're and then they're the ones that that voice the risk to you. Yeah. You know, you, you you know, maybe you like. You have a you have a parent that that's like, oh, you know, you made less money this month than you did last month. And maybe you shouldn't be telling that person your numbers. And, you know, maybe maybe you have a, a, a business partner that's constantly, you know, giving you a hard time about about money because the company's having trouble. You know, that that person needs to be shut out as well. And maybe you need to end the partnership, buy them out or let them buy you out or whatever. You know, that they're you have to you have to when times are tough you have to manage anxiety and it's not just your own anxiety other people's anxiety is contagious so if you're having a tough time you know it's it's easy it's easy to get into this rut where like you find all the other people who are having a tough time and and now you've got a group of people who you can just be sad with and complain about it with all the time that's not going to serve you well and it's not going to serve you well to be around the people who are constantly worrying and asking what you're going to do that doesn't serve you well either so you really need to control your environment, the people in your environment, and the conversations you have. The internal dialogue, like your, your self-talk, all needs to change.
0: Yeah, and without me even asking my third question, you kind of already went there and did it, so that was kind of awesome. Um, third question. Dude, oh, the third question was basically just gonna be like, um, if you give any piece of advice to someone right away, you just basically went ahead and did that. And social contracts are really, really hard if you don't match them properly like um kind of one of the things i do have is uh one of my social contracts i have with one of my friends is that i'm learning to manage a little bit better for myself is whenever i because i'm an extrovert so like whenever i have company around i will i'll stop working like i won't work if there's company like i just for some reason my brain goes oh no we've got company we're not gonna work we're gonna go chill out and spend time with them we'll come back and do the work later and that puts me in like really bad positions and changing that social contract with just one of my friends that was here this week, um, I said, okay, hey, listen, you go do whatever you need to. I need to get my work done because I'm a little bit behind on some stuff. I just need to get it done. They're like, cool, great, whatever. That's fine. Hang out. We'll hang out afterwards when you're done. Right. A simple shift like that
1: makes life yeah. easier. And that is, that is you know, th- that is how it is. And it, even like, you know, I just moved in with my girlfriend in May and we're establishing all these new patterns. And like one of them is, hey, sometimes – you're going to be doing your thing and I'm going to be doing my thing. Whereas like when she would come visit me at my, at my condo before we moved in, it was like whenever she was over, you know, she got hundred percent of my focus. And now that we live together, it's like, okay, well now we're together all the time. So sometimes I'm going to go to my desk or bring out my laptop or, or play Spider-Man while well, you're doing your own thing. And that was like a, that was a weird shift where like I felt almost guilty in the in the first little while doing that but then I'm like no no this is how this works like we're living together now we're going to have to do things separately sometimes and it's like you have to go through that shift and and sometimes for sometimes that's hard for people to change that like pattern it's like people expect you to do what you've always done and you expect and you expect people to expect you to do what you've always done
0: And it's so true, like, very few, like, it's just that shift that changes so many things, and environmentally, again, that's a whole different thing uh, that works together for you. Now, that being said, uh, Brad, thanks for actually taking the time to be here, man. Like, seriously, you've given so much knowledge away today that I think everyone listening to this has to go back and re-listen to it. Um, Just on book recommendations alone, I think you killed it. <laughs> Thank you. That's a good thing, but guys, go check out uh vectortoons.com. Uh, Brad's stuff is incredible. Like everything the guy puts out is high quality. Like there's nothing that he puts out online or anywhere that doesn't have quality to it. And uh, it's to be fair, dude, like anyone's actually even going to listen to you, like within five minutes of hearing you speak, they know for a fact it's like, yeah, if if this isn't right for me, Brad's not gonna hound me on like, I want a refund, and Brad's gonna be like, no. It's like, yeah, here you go. Fuck it. It's less stress for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't live in a world of stress. And, you're, like... and I can hear your cat taking a shit. That's a great sound.
0: Oh, yeah. No, definitely. She was just basically, uh, she does this thing where sometimes she takes food and she just like rummages it around her cage. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck she does. At least she's not doing the thing where she shits half in and then half out again. Was like, <laughs> that was a pain in the ass. And by the way, for the people that are listening, Brad, when he was at my place, actually figured out how smart my cats can be. Because I put them away to open a window, like two windows. So they faked having a shit. So I would actually go check. And as soon as I went to check, they ran out. Yeah. They're like They're just smart little bastards.
1: Yeah. They, fig- they figured out how to hack your behavior. <laughs>
0: yeah. So quickly. Like cats yeah. are really good at that. But yeah. uh, Brad, thanks again for being here. And guys go check out yeah. vectortoons.com And um, yeah, follow Brad on everywhere that you can. He's just a good dude to it. Like follow around and get his book. It's a little bit older now, but it's, it's still a good read. Um, what's the, was it Half-Baked? Was that the title of your book? Chronic Marketer. Chronic Marketer. That's The Adventure of... Oh, I can't remember the full name, but I remember it had that in there. But Chronic Marketer, go check it out. It's brilliant. And dude, thanks again for doing this. Thank you. See you later. See you guys soon.